You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Filato, joined as always by Chris Flum. Chris, there's a lot of NFL news to kind of parse through a little bit before we start discussing some of the more important issues in regards to the New York Giants signing some of their unrestricted free agents. But firstly, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing pretty well. I kind of with kind of wish the weather would make up its mind, whether it's going to be like winter or spring or summer or whatever. It's just kind of gray and blah right now. But hey, I'm here. Almost made it another week. <laughs> you should move out to Arizona then because it's never really gray and blah out here. <laughs> but speaking of gray, which is typically associated with older people, Tom oh, Brady nice freaking segue. retired. <laughs> Thank you for the segue. Tom Brady retired, Chris, and it seems like this one is going to be for real. He got the entire retirement tour last year when he retired, came back like 40 days later, and it didn't seem or at least it didn't appear like it was worth the comeback, but I don't want to speak for the great one, Mr. Tom Brady, but he retired. How does that make you feel? And as a Giant fan, doesn't it just feel excellent that the only times Tom Brady saw the New York Giants in the Super Bowl, he got a big old fat L? Yeah, that really does. I saw somebody, I don't recall who, remarked that the fact that the Giants beat Tom Brady, the New England Patriots, the teams they had those two years, 2007 and 2011, with the New York, New England, Boston rivalry, that made those two Super Bowl wins that much more special. They would have been special anyway, but beating the not quite perfect Patriots, and then they had a damn good team in 2011 as well. That that really just kind of put the cherry on top of those two wins. It, In some ways, it, it, I am not surprised at all that Tom Brady is retired. Another part of me expected him to still be jogging out onto a football field at 50. So it, it's still a little bit surreal at the moment that he, that Tom Brady is not going to be playing football next year. At least as far as we know right now, we said that about a year ago as well. But I also kind of feel like he probably should have just stayed retired last year. Yeah, generally, I think when players start to admit that they're thinking about retirement, that's when they should pull the trigger. They should just retire right then and there. Because as soon as that doubt enters your mind, it's because your body knows it's time. Just on the 07 and 11 Super Bowls, Chris, think about all the emotions that lingered within the New England Patriots after blowing their perfect season in 2000, 2007. And then just a few years later, they have another shot at that same team, Eli Manning, Tom Coughlin, and they lose again, man. It's just so poetic. And as a Giants fan and someone who covers the New York Giants, it was absolutely perfect chef's kiss. Yeah, our buddy Mark Schofield still has not forgiven the Giants for 
2007 in particular, but then doubling down on it just four years later. But, you know, there's other news we should be talking about, news that directly affects the 2023 Giants. And, you know, we have to talk about the coaching carousel because the Giants have three three coaches on that carousel. We we already saw Sean Payton is going to the Denver Broncos. That is the first and biggest domino to fall. Denver is going all in on Russell Wilson and this team they have now. They obviously believe they are a win-now team. And they are sending draft picks to the New Orleans Saints so they can just so they can sign Sean Payton. D'Amico Ryans leaving the San Francisco 49ers, going back to the Texans, where he was a player. Uh, Giants offensive coordinator Mike Kafka was in consideration for that job. Now, Mike Kafka and Wink Martindale are both still in consideration for the Indianapolis Colts job, at least (laughs) as far as we know right now as of this recording. Uh, Kafka has also interviewed with the Arizona Cardinals. And something that stood out to me is, he is one of just two offensive-minded coaches to interview with the Cardinals, the other being Brian Callahan, who is the offensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals. That's really interesting to me because the Cardinals, they're coming away from an offensive-minded head coach, but they also have Kyler Murray there, and he has an absolutely massive contract, and they know they have to build around Kyler Murray. Like basically right now he is their team and he makes them a dangerous squad whenever he's on the field, but they also know you, you need to be able to win on offense, especially in that AFC West where you've got the Seattle Seahawks who are always going to be dangerous. And then you've got the San Francisco 49ers who man, that defense for the most part, except for that very last game has been consistently impressive. I'll say this too, Chris, just to circle back a little bit to that Broncos signing of Sean Payton. Look, you got to figure out a way to fix Russell Wilson at this point. But when you think about going all in on something, and at this point, I think you have to after all of the assets you poured into Russell Wilson and just how terrible that team was in 2022 from an offensive standpoint. The Broncos gave up three first round picks, three second round picks, Shelby Harris, Drew Locke, Noah Fant for Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. Like, if that doesn't work, holy crap, that has to go down as one of the worst trades in the history of the NFL, man. And it's something that's going to really intrigue me next season. It's something I'm going to be paying attention to. And as for your Cardinals point, Kyler Murray might not return until like midseason next year. I think the Cardinals have the third pick in the draft, if I'm not mistaken. That is a complete rebuild at this point almost not a complete because you have kyler murray who's making like 40 something million dollars aav it's like 47 or something it's like an insane amount of money for an injured quarterback at this point with a new regime coming in best of luck to uh the birds out in the desert man but that does not seem like a situation that is uh going to be fun to rebuild because i don't even really know many of their defensive pieces on the front line if, if you look i think zach allen is a pretty solid player but jj watt had just retired and it's just um not not a great situation to find themselves in 
Yeah, they're they are kind of in a mess out there in Arizona. The fact that they do have a quarterback in place, and I know opinions are mixed on Kyler Murray. A lot there are a lot of people who think he is still too short to play quarterback. I'm not overly concerned about the injury because they have him locked up long term. Like you said, it's a complete rebuild, so he's going to be there for a while. And I know there's also concern about a mobile quarterback you know, exposing himself to hits, especially a quarterback of his size, although I, he is certainly stouter than a lot of undersized quarterbacks, I think. But on the other hand, you've got that athleticism, his ability to just turn any play into backyard football, and he's got that baseball arm where he can make any throw from any platform really out of structure in the pocket whatever doesn't matter so that that whole cardinal situation again like the broncos situation they're going to be really fascinating for us out here who aren't fans of those teams to keep track of and really i think going to be very interesting case studies for team building it will be interesting case studies and ultimately hopefully wink martindale mike kafka do not get hired as the head coach of any of these teams and they stick it out with the giants for another season because i feel like they are excellent coordinators but chris let's transition to that wink martindale coached unit that defense of the new york giants which really thrived on efficiency we know that wink martindale wants to bring the blitz he wants to dictate to the offense pressure breaks pipes all of those i guess you can call them cliches but i do believe it is a huge part of his philosophy or philosophy albeit there were times this season where he would kind of pull the reins back. I can think back to the wild card game against Minnesota. He didn't really blitz as much as many anticipated. You think back to Jacksonville. He didn't blitz Trevor Lawrence all that often. And then on the final drive of the game where it really mattered, he was dropping eight in the coverage like he was Patrick Graham. It wasn't necessarily something that is typically associated with Wink Martindale. But if you look at the Giants on the whole, on this entire season, the Giants' total defensive EPA, that's expected points added, it's an advanced analytical type of stat, they rank 28th in the league, man. That is not great. And conversely, they were 29th in defensive DVOA. So two of the more advanced statistics to evaluate defenses, they were really towards the bottom end of the league. However, where it's really important in my mind, and this really speaks to the efficiency of this defense, the Giants' defense was second on third down behind the Cowboys. We know on third down, Wink Martindale likes to blitz, but I honestly think a big reason why isn't just the fact that they were blitzing. It was the fact that they were disguising it so well. How many times did we see quarter personnel on third down with seven guys on the line of scrimmage? They would only send four sometimes. They would bring simulated pressures. And the offensive line did not necessarily know how to block it up. So... They thrived on efficiency, but I think it's safe to say, Chris, that the personnel can be upgraded, right? And they're still going to blitz. They were first in blitz rate this year by a wide margin, and they were 12th in hurry rate, and they were sixth in pressure rate, which are solid numbers. But when you're first in blitz rate, maybe you want that to be upped a little bit more. And if the Giants do end up bringing up back some of these free agents or going out and acquiring other players who can fit Wink Martindale's scheme, 
the hope is that if they are first in blitz rate under Martindale, which they probably will be, that it will be higher than 12th in hurry rate and higher in sixth in pressure rate. Yeah. Overall, the Giants defense was not good last year. You know, we saw that particularly with how they defended the run, where the Giants had just had one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. Granted, they were better against yeah, power man gap runs than they were against yeah, some of the more athletically focused running games, you know, particularly counter runs and you know, the, the outside zones where they really kind of stressed the Giants defense laterally, stressed those linebackers. But overall, the, the Giants just could not consistently defend the run. And it, a lot of times, especially on first and second down, quarterbacks were able to find their options down the field. And even if they didn't look far far enough down the field because of the pressure the Giants were able to generate with those blitz schemes, there were big plays there to be had. And eventually we saw some of those explosive plays start to happen for opposing offenses. And that was kind of when the, the Giants defense broke, more or less. But when it really mattered on those third downs in the red zone, the Giants defense was pretty damn good. And it's looking at the roster, it's kind of amazing that they were as good as they were when it mattered. Because even though the Giants have good players on their defense, they've got Dexter Lawrence, they've got Leonard Williams, they've got Kayvon Thibodeau, Aziz Ojolari, at least you know when he's healthy, uh, Dory Jackson when he was healthy. Julian Love, Xavier McKinney, they've got good players at the top of their defensive roster. Their depth chart, though, was honestly kind of barren. And it's amazing to me that Wink Martindale got the play out of some of these guys that he did. Maximizing so many players that Joe Shane found him. Players like Nick McLeod, even players that we're not necessarily in love with like a Jalen Smith, who ended up playing a pivotal role in this Giants defense, albeit it wasn't necessarily the most effective role. So you just look at Wink Martindale as a coach. You can give him maybe they're not the best ingredients, but he's still able to cook you a digestible meal. Now, when you upgrade those ingredients, maybe he can cook you a five-star type of dinner. And I think that is the, the primary hope from Giants fans. But let's take a quick look at some of these defensive free agents, Chris. Julian Love is the biggest name of them all. And he's probably not going to be cheap, although he won't reset the market a la a Marcus Williams last year who signed with the Baltimore Ravens, but he's the main name to pay attention to. But then you also have Jihad Ward had a huge, huge role on this defense. Landon Collins and Tony Jefferson, both hybrid guys who were pivotal in the quarter package that Wink Martindale, that's seven plus defensive backs at a time, love to run. Ocean Zimenez, who had a really big role earlier in the season, Fabian Moreau, Jalen Smith, Gerard Davis, Justin Ellis, Nick Williams, and then Henry Mondu is a restricted free agent. So I know a lot of those names don't jump out at us, but I do feel like those are a lot of role players who really helped this defense this season. And if they do part ways with the Giants in free agency, New York's going to have to find some sort of remedy to patch up the roster. And I think you can upgrade over a lot of these players. Don't get me wrong, but I still think you need to have a plan if you allow a lot of these guys to walk. Yeah, and, and that's kind of the spot the Giants are in with their roster as a whole because we talk, we also talked about that with the offensive free agents where the, the Giants have players but a lot of the guys who form the core of their team 
could walk in free agency. And even though the Giants made it to the playoffs, they won a game in the playoffs, they beat the Minnesota Vikings, they are also very much still a rebuilding team. And we need to understand that they are not going to put together an ironclad roster in one offseason. Joe Shane came in, he, he really had one arm tied behind his back last year with the Giants cap situation, having to part ways with some guys that I'm sure he would probably probably rather not have parted ways with. You know, I, I would have loved to have seen what Lorenzo Carter could have done in Wink Martindale's defense or Evan Ingram in Mike Kafka's offense. Not to mention James Bradbury. Yeah, you know, the Giants were really forced to let some talented guys go, and they weren't really able to fill those holes. You know, this is the year when they can start to fill those holes but they are also going to need to fill out that depth chart, make sure they've got a foundation of guys. Well, maybe not a foundation, but just like something to go around the players that they're looking at as their core players. Because as we've seen, every NFL team is subject to attrition. Guys are going to get hurt. And when you've got a defensive coordinator like Wink Martindale, who is going to be calling sub-package after sub-package, you need a depth chart full of guys that you are fine having rotate onto the field and filling roles for you. And I think this front office can do a good job with the 11 picks that they're purportedly going to have with the compensatory picks that should be heading their way to find some of those supplements. But you also have to have those veteran free agents or those veteran players, so guys who we just listed, on this roster. But before we get to some of the decisions and the ads from SB Nation, I want to discuss forward thinking what Joe Shane may be looking at in terms of defensive personnel that he may want to retain, specifically Dexter Lawrence and Xavier McKinney. Look, both of these guys are eligible right now for extensions. And I think it would be smart and wise to maybe extend them a bit early so you can get ahead of other players at their positions who are going to more than likely reset the market. Because I don't think Xavier McKinney will reset the market, but I think Dexter Lawrence has the potential to do so outside of Aaron Donald, who makes like $31 million a year. Now, to focus on the defensive tackle position first, Aaron Donald makes the most, 31.6. And then you have DeForest Buckner, who makes $21 million per year. And he signed a four-year, $84 million contract. Chris Jones is playing on a four-year, $80 million contract. So that's 21 AAV and 20 AAV, respectively. I think Dexter Lawrence is probably going to go north of that. And you're looking at a, a deal maybe like a four for 90 or something around there. I don't really know the years or the exact AAV, but you're more than likely going to have Dexter Lawrence, if the Giants pursue it this offseason, make around $22.5 million a year, I think. What are your thoughts on that, though? Because I could be off there. Yeah, I I think the Giants absolutely should look at extending Dexter Lawrence this year. He's got that fifth-year option in place, so they have him for next year. But if they can tack on years, say another four years onto that fifth-year option, they would have a good chance at getting him 
honestly, before he truly resets the market and potentially comes close to that Aaron Donald number, you know, right now, DeForest Buckner, Chris Jones, that's probably an area around which Dexter Lawrence should be looking for a long-term deal. And with Lawrence and McKinney, re-signing them now to me makes a lot more sense than waiting or not resigning, extending, excuse me, but that makes a lot more sense than waiting until they actually are free agents, which is something that New York teams, it just in general, across the sp- across all the sports, seem to do a lot. You, you never really seem to see any New York team resign or extend a young player early, instead letting them go to free agency. Now, maybe that's in part because of their agents, you know, pushing for maximum leverage on their part to try to take advantage of the media market and put fan pressure on the on the respective front offices. I don't know. That wouldn't surprise me. But last time we talked about the things the Giants can learn from the teams that won the respective championships. And one of the things we pointed out was how Howie Roseman and the Philadelphia Eagles have built their team. And one of the things Roseman has been fantastic at is identifying core players, guys who can be eight, 10 year contributors and re-signing them early and taking that cap hit sooner in exchange for cap savings down the road as the salary cap rises. You know, right now the Giants have about $44 million in cap room if they cut Kenny Galladay, that could probably go up to about $50 million in cap room. I think they would be better served to take those cap hits on Dexter Lawrence and Xavier McKinney now, as opposed to waiting another year for them to have all of the leverage and potentially even better seasons, You know, build on what they did well this year and be just that much more expensive. And in terms of the safety position, Derwin James makes the most money. His average per year is $19 million. I don't know if Xavier McKinney would warrant that, but I think you are looking at something north of $17 million, possibly, depending on if the Giants go with it this year. I mean, it might be a, a an option for Xavier McKinney to actually wait another year before signing a contract because he had his season marred by that injury that was suffered in Cabo, but... I'm not really 100% certain on what direction he would go in, but I am curious as to if he would reset the market. If he does come back and ball out next year, he might, you know, warrant that. If he comes back, has like five interceptions, some really big game changing plays, then yeah, he could possibly warrant a Derwin James type of contract, which then you really got to start to entertain. Are the Giants going to allocate $20 million to a safety? Right now, I would say no, but, you know, there's still some some, uh, football that need to be played until maybe. Xavier McKinney actually will sign that contract. Although I think Joe Shane might look to re-sign him. What is what is your beat on that? Yeah, like with Dexter Lawrence, I think it's in the Giants' best interest to at least approach Xavier McKinney and try to negotiate a contract extension now. McKinney, I could definitely see him betting on himself and looking to push his second contract all the way to free agency. Again, like you said, just because of the injury he suffered, the amount of time he missed, the amount of potential production that he missed this year, 
However, we also saw the Giants defense kind of take a step back. And yes, they were able to function without him, but they didn't function as well. So I think his absence also kind of helped to prove his value to this defense. Now, maybe the maybe the Giants would want to put a rider in his contract about maybe staying away from uh, Cabo or Sammy Hagar. <laughs> Not that Sammy Hagar had anything to do with the accident. That was just a bad joke on my part. But <laughs> I don't think it was a bad joke, man, do you? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah. From a long-term strategic point of view for the Giants, definitely they should definitely at least try to get McKinney re-signed. And I do think re-sign, or ext- taking an early extension re- for McKinney does have its benefits because it gives him some security long-term. You know, for football players, any play might be their last play. And being an unrestricted free agent on the last year of a rookie deal, you know, if something happens next year yeah we all hope it doesn't but torn acl achilles you know another upper body injury a shoulder injury you know whatever something something knocks him out for a significant period of time then he is going into free agency on two injury shortened years and just that many more questions so he's he winds up looking at trying to take a one-year prove-it deal somewhere probably back with the giants but you you never know so mckinney and his camp they have to weigh those two those two factors potentially getting getting the bag after next year with a great season or playing the last year of a rookie deal with no security versus maybe getting a little bit worse deal with the giants but having that long-term security all right, before we get to some of these big decisions and some of these players that could possibly be kept around, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors here at SB Nation. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, Chris, 
biggest decision is Julian Love. What are the New York Giants going to do about Julian Love? Look, this is somebody who has worn so many hats on this defense over the years. He was drafted as a cornerback out of Notre Dame on day three. Ends up, I would say, exceeding expectations and becoming a core part of this defense. Was a captain this year, and he didn't have his best season, I wouldn't say. But I still think there is a ton of value in keeping Julian Love. It's just do the economics work? What's your beat on Julian Love and possibly returning here in New York? Yeah, depending on the numbers, obviously, there's a ton of moving parts. You have to get everybody fit together underneath the salary cap, have room for your rookie class, the rainy day fund that the Giants basically didn't have this past year. But as long as the two sides are willing to work together, to, both sides are willing to give a little bit. For me, Julian Love is an easy re-sign. And I'll admit, I'll admit my bias here. I like the guy. I I love his versatility. I love the fact that he can play box safety. He can play. He can cover the slot. He can play free safety. He, he can play special teams if you need him to. He can blitz. He can play the run. He's incredibly physical. He can cover. He can do anything you need your defense to do. Now, he might not be elite, in any one area but as far as a guy who can be a jack of all trades who can allow your defense a ton of flexibility he is fantastic for that and i think the the giants can and have done a lot worse than julian love at safety and just the amount of things he allows wink martindale to do to me just gives him plenty of value and i i don't know what the exact numbers would be what his value would be but i would be perfectly happy giving him a healthy contract and look he's not the biggest guy right chris he's five foot eleven 195 pounds but he is pivotal in run support when the giants want to align in dime dollar quarter type of defenses, which we know Wink Martindale wants to align in those type of personnel packages more than any other defensive coordinator in the league. Because this is somebody who you can entrust to be that fit defender, to be that run defender uh, as an overhang who can come down and who can fill and who does a good job kind of discerning if the quarterback is going to throw or hand the football off and just kind of being patient as that conflict re-defender. We've seen Julian Love operate in the box. We've seen him operate as a post safety, a deep half safety. He does a solid job in man coverage. I can understand, and I won't be overly upset if the Giants pursue another direction away from Julian Love, depending on that cap number. That's what it's all going to come down to for me. And I believe Joe Shane is always just going to have his number, and he's not going to necessarily budge too far off of that. And I think if the Giants lose Julian Love, it won't be the biggest hit. But I think the Giants are a much better team with Julian Love because of everything that he offers, not even just from a leadership standpoint and setting the example, but from what he does do on the football field. And I feel like a lot of the stuff he does do kind of goes a little bit underappreciated. At least it just seems that way just by going through the Twitter timeline. And I just see a lot of people kind of bashing Julian Love. I think Julian Love is a much better player than he's given credit for. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing to consider is if the Giants let Julian Love walk, that is another hole they have to fill. Yeah, at some point the Giants have to start retaining talent. They they have to get off that hamster wheel if they ever actually want to build a team. And Love is one of those players who 
he's kind of a glue guy. He, he isn't going to be a superstar. He isn't going to be a highlight reel player, but he just helps you out in so many ways on the field, in the locker room, that he's the type of guy you want to have around. And if the Giants lose him, yeah, that's just another hit to their depth chart. That's another position they have to look at in the draft or they have to find another safety in free agency. Now, maybe they can find a less expensive safety, but is he going to be as good and as versatile and useful as Julian Love is? And you got to look, Dane Belton did not have a huge role after an oppor- a golden opportunity was gifted to him. He missed that run fit against the Houston Texans with Damian Pierce, rushed for 44 yards, played a little bit in the next game, and then definitely took a gigantic backseat for a lot of the season. But there are other safeties that we should discuss who are free agents, Tony Jefferson and Landon Collins. Look, I would be open to bringing one, if not both of those players back. Ideally, you want to upgrade, but these are players who are going to operate on your special teams and they're players who are going to fit in to the lighter personnel package. I think both of these players, their body types and the way they play fit well with what Wink Martindale wanted to do in quarter personnel. But at the same time, they're both older players, declining players, and I wouldn't be totally averse if the Giants decided to go in another direction. Yeah, of those two guys, I think Landon Collins would be the higher priority for me just because he is capable of being a linebacker. And I think he's got more football left in him because we saw him make some plays. We saw him be a be an active player and, and, and a factor on the Giants' defense once he more or less found his footing and worked his way onto the field in the second half of the season. And, and again, I, I admit my bias. I've always liked Landon Collins, particularly thanks to that 2016 season when he was just all over the field. But just looking at the Giants linebacking core as a whole, Collins is probably their the best option they have on the roster. That's saying something. But as we said in the first half, the Giants are not going to be able to completely rebuild their team, fix the roster, and have no weaknesses in one year. They're going to have to make some sacrifices, make some decisions at what what positions they want to emphasize and which ones they want to go deal shopping in. And I think having Landon Collins, making him a higher priority than Tony Jefferson is one of those areas just because he can at least help at the linebacker position. That's all we're looking for at this point. Because if you look at the linebackers, you also have Jalen Smith and Gerard Davis who are going to be free agents. I don't know if either of those two are going to be back or should be back. Tay Crowder played almost 500 snaps on this defense. He's not going to be here, right? Then you just have Micah McFadden, who is benched. It's the only linebacker you're looking at right now, not named Darian Beavers, who's coming off of a torn ACL. The linebacker position is a gigantic need. And the Giants are going to have to look to invest in that position, and I don't think it will be Jalen Smith and Gerard Davis, who are also free agents, but you also have these edges, right, who are going to be free agents. I think both of them could be in consideration for coming back, Jihad Ward and O'Shane Zimenez. Jihad Ward played a huge role on this Giants defense, probably bigger than a uh, bigger of a role than I expected. He played 740 snaps and was a, I would say, a solid 
I think is probably the way to term it, adequate run defender. Definitely did really well against tight ends, but there were times where double teams on stretch type plays could uproot him, but that's going to happen at times. I also appreciated his versatility as somebody who was almost 290 pounds. And then O'Shane Zimenez had a bunch of really big plays earlier in the season and kind of tailed off at the end. He played 529 snaps, but you need depth behind Kayvon Thibodeau. And then Aziz Ojolari, who is kind of developing a reputation to be injured. And then you have Taman Fox and Ellerson Smith, who is another player who's very injured. So this edge position is somewhat concerning. Do you think the Giants will look to bring back Ward or Zimenez? I think they'll probably look to bring back Jihad Ward because of the versatility you talked about. I think adequate is a great descriptor for him. I don't know that he's a guy you particularly want to be a starter for you. Yeah. Maybe depending on the matchup, if you're going up against like the Tennessee Titans, where you know they're going to want to run the ball 60 times a game, then maybe having the 290-pound guy on the field more often than not is preferable. But overall, I think he's a fine depth player. We know he's a leader in the locker room, and he did come up with some plays throughout the season. You know, every, It seemed like at least once a week you'd see Jihad Ward behind the line of scrimmage, uh, kind of miming, straightening his helmet after making a big hit. So I I would not mind the Giants bringing him back at all. Uh, Again, it comes down to the numbers because they also have the depth on the defensive line that we talked about or the lack of depth on the defensive line that we talked about in the first half. And having Jihad Ward there as a guy who can play edge, he can play defensive tackle, that is you know, really almost necessary for the Giants depth chart right now. As O'Shane Zimenez, I think he is I think he is a replaceable depth piece. Now I have highlighted edge as a position of need for the Giants. You know, we saw Kayvon Thibodeau be much more effective when he was lined up across from Aziz Ojolari than when he was lined up across from Zimenez or Ward. He needs that speed guy across from him. And like you said, I'm not sure how much we can count on Aziz Ojolari's health going forward. You know, he had those red flags on his knee coming out of college. And I do wonder if there might not be some kind of degenerative condition there. I don't know, but he had so many lower body injuries this year that it it has to be a concern going forward. And even so, I think the, one of the things we can take away from the Eagles and their success is having four starting caliber pass rushers is not a bad problem to have. You know, that's a, that's something you would honestly like to have. Some of the giants best teams have had just, a glut of talented pass rushers on them. We talked about right right at the top of the show, those 07 and 2011 teams. They had pass rushers on pass rushers. So upgrading O'Shane Simenez, finding a 1C pass rusher, I think that's kind of a low-key need for the Giants. A glut, Chris. I love the fact that you dug deep into your vocabulary lexicon to find that word, and I really appreciated it. But before we get out of here, let's talk about this defensive line, right? Because we already mentioned 
Dexter Lawrence. We'll talk about Leonard Williams a lot this offseason because that $32 million cap number in 2023 is literally insane. But Nick Williams and Justin Ellis are both free agents. Look, Justin Ellis, I, I think he's over the hill at this point. Good leader in the locker room, all that. Knows the defense, but he was getting dominated a lot at the point of attack. Nick Williams, I felt like, kind of was missed by this defense. He got hurt towards biceps against Seattle. Coming out of the bye week, Giants started playing more Henry Mondu, a little bit more Ryder Anderson, and I don't feel like that worked out all that much. I would be open to two of these veterans and another one that we haven't brought up coming back, but I don't really know if they will. Nick Williams and then cornerback Fabian Moreau. Fabian Moreau, I don't know if he'll pursue another opportunity anywhere else. It seems like he had kind of a a, a, a year of resurgence, if you will, especially middle in the middle of the season where he played pretty damn well for the Giants. Down the stretch, it wasn't great, but I mean, he exceeded expectations. The Giants signed this guy and he came in and was a starter for them due to injury. And I felt like he played really well. So Nick Williams and Fabian Moreau are two veteran free agents that the Giants have that I would like for them to retain. What say you? Yeah, I agree. I don't know that you want Fabian Moreau or Nick Williams as a starter, but as a depth piece, as a guy you can rotate onto the field, uh, either in a sub package in Moreau's case or to spell a starter in Williams's case. I do not have a problem with those guys getting a spot on the 90 man roster for a low veteran contract, probably one year, maybe two year, just to spread cap hit out that sort of thing. The, the accounting things the NFL loves to do. I, I would, I wouldn't have a problem with those guys sticking around for at least another year. And one thing we should keep in mind is the Giants will be getting DJ Davidson back from injury, the defensive tackle from, I believe it was San Diego State. Yeah, yeah he was Arizona State. Arizona State? Uh, what? One of those uh, West Coast states. But they will be getting him back. He was a tough nose tackle. I think he can absolutely replace Justin Ellis in the middle of this defense, either spelling Dexter Lawrence or allowing Dexter Lawrence to move over, play the three technique, play the five technique, you know, just kind of give offensive linemen headaches. So yeah, the, the giants have options there. And I, I get for the third time, I, I would not mind seeing Moreau or Nick Williams back as long as they aren't on outsized contracts. I'm right there with you, Chris. But do you have anything else before we get out of here? Nope. I am just looking forward to watching the East-West Shrine Bowl and the Senior Bowl this week. Ah, yes. It's that time of year, and I absolutely love it. I'm diving deep into the draft research, and I'm excited for both of these games, and we'll be breaking them down next week. But thank you, everybody tuning in to the Chris and Nick show here on Big Blue View Radio. Please, if you have not done so yet, like, subscribe, and comment on this podcast. It helps our algorithm. It helps us kind of move up the iTunes or Spotify chain wherever you digest this material. And also head on over to BigBlueView.com where we have all of our written content. Thank you very much, everyone, and have a lovely day. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. 
You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd all mom? No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.